Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. You're listening to The Construction Cut with Taylor Rennick. Here, you'll get the latest news in construction in 15 minutes or less. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to The Construction Cut. I'm your host, Taylor. Before I get into the show, I wanted to let you all know about Builder Funnel Academy. If you haven't heard about Builder Funnel Academy yet, it is a brand new product that we launched on April 1st for our 10 year anniversary. And it is an incredible resource for home builders, remodelers, and contractors who are looking to up their marketing game. It's basically our entire portfolio of inbound marketing strategies that we've honed over the last 10 years. And we are giving you full access. The deadline to register for the Academy is tomorrow, April 14th. So head over to builderfunnelacademy.com to learn more, get the details on the specific courses, the pricing, and all of that fun stuff. It is a completely amazing product. I can't wait for you all to see it. Okay, enough self-promotion. This week, we are breaking down new guidance from the government regarding the Paycheck Protection Program, and we're going to dive into why industry groups are continuing to lobby for more protections on the Hill. All right, it is Monday, April 13th. Let's dive in. The Trump administration has released new guidance from the Treasury Department that may have excluded construction companies from qualifying for the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. The initiative was created as part of the $2 trillion coronavirus rescue bill last month. The Paycheck Protection Program allows eligible small businesses to apply for loans, which would not have to be paid back if they met certain requirements, like keeping a certain number of employees on the payroll or by using at least 75% of the grant to retrain or rehire employees. The administration's guidance originally stated that any company that employed less than 500 people and fell below the agency's small business size standards as it pertains to revenue were eligible to qualify. The AGC took issue with this in Washington, claiming that such a restriction would have excluded many construction firms that employ less than 500 people but bring in more revenue than the SBA restriction allows. Well, the Treasury Department has released new guidance clarifying that businesses do not have to qualify as a small business in order to participate in the program. So now, businesses that employ less than 500 people, regardless of annual income, now qualify for the loan. Construction industry associations have been quite busy in Washington this week, lobbying OSHA to reconsider how COVID 19 cases are reported on job sites. Various industries are saying that OSHA's guidelines are murky at best. Leading industries like the AGC, the NEHB, and the Mason Contractors Association to appeal directly to OSHA's Secretary of Labor. Since the onset of the pandemic, OSHA has stated that all job site cases of COVID-19 should not be treated like the common cold or flu and are not exempt from record keeping. OSHA later went on to say that employers must, in fact, record COVID-19 cases when there is a confirmed case in the workplace, and that such a case meets the general recordability criteria. Several association groups have asked OSHA to reconsider their position, 
saying that COVID-19 should be treated like the common cold or flu and therefore not work-related. They've also asked that the rule limit applications to situations where an employee could have contracted COVID-19 as the direct result of providing medical treatment to another person with a confirmed case. Industry groups have also asked that OSHA log COVID-19 cases on a separate log so it wouldn't impact an employer's DART rate. Special thanks to Jen Goodman over at the Construction Dive for the in-depth reporting on these guidances and how they affect the industry. Well, a new report from ENR has found that anxiety about the impact to the construction industry is heightened as more and more cities shut down non-essential construction. 62% of those surveyed in the report said they plan to either lay off or furlough at least one employee in the next three months. One response summed up the near-constant anxiety. Quote, As a self-employed designer architect, I have never seen things as bad as they are right now. Even in 2008, clients were still into planning projects. I am totally dead in the water and working on ongoing projects with only one new active client in the last two months. Most clients have stopped projects altogether for obvious reasons, end quote. 75% of those surveyed were concerned about the state of the economy, and 65% were concerned about business stability over the next 12 months. Other business concerns were on contractors' minds as well. Half of all respondents have concerns about supply chain interruptions, and a third of respondents were concerned about cybersecurity while their employees worked from home. Personal safety was high on the list as well. And speaking of personal safety, a group of workers on a job site in North Carolina are being applauded for chasing an alleged kidnapping suspect after the suspect stole a vehicle with a baby in the back seat. Goodness. The suspect didn't know the baby was inside, so when he did realize this, he abandoned the truck near a construction site. The group of workers then saw the man running towards one of their work trucks and took action. The construction workers chased him down and held him until the police arrived at the scene. The man was booked into jail on several charges. Luckily, everybody was okay. Quite the story those guys have to tell. Well, some industry professionals are asking if new home construction can help lead us out of the inevitable upcoming recession. A new study from the NEHB shows that housing could very well lead the economic rebound once social distancing measures are lifted. Here's why. Building 1,000 average single-family homes create nearly 3,000 full-time jobs. Those homes also generate $110 million in taxes and fees, taxes that go to support the fire department, the police department, our schools, etc., And when it comes to remodeling, it's estimated that every $10 million, 75 jobs are created. And then $3 million in taxes are paid out to local governments. An NEHB councilman went on the record in support of the report, saying that before the coronavirus pummeled the U.S. economy, housing was on the rise. January and February had strong new home sale numbers. In fact, they were the highest since the Great Recession. 
The demand is clearly leading the economy out of a recession later in 2020 when the pandemic subsides. Sounds like some good confidence there. The NEHB's job creation model includes a wide swath of jobs related to the construction of homes and apartments. Their calculations take into account the industries closely intertwined with the construction of new homes. Things like producing lumber and concrete and heating equipment, and then the folks that store and transport those materials. Additional jobs were considered for architects, real estate agents, lawyers, and accountants. The construction of new homes not only keep people employed, but also gives cities with extraordinarily low housing inventory some breathing room. Mortgage rates are lower than ever, giving would-be home buyers more and more purchasing power. A realtor from Remax in New York says, every time rates drop, buying power increases. If your payment was $1,000 at 3% and the rates dropped to 2.75%, Your payment is still $1,000, but you get another $12,000 in buying power. For those homes that are still available, home builders and their sales teams are working on adapting to a new way of doing business, offering virtual tours to home buyers who often have no choice but to buy a home sight unseen. The housing inventory issue is also crippled with more and more homeowners choosing to refinance or obtain a home equity loan. Well, Housing inventory is low everywhere, we know this, but the number of available homes may be dependent on whether or not your county votes red or blue. The NEHB has found that in the fourth quarter of 2019, 61% of single-family construction was in the red counties, while 64% of multifamily construction took place in blue counties. The NEHB's chief economist helped to explain the discrepancy, saying that the lagging performance of single-family construction in blue counties, combined with the 2019 declines for home building in large metro suburban areas, highlight the affordability challenge, which is also a source of frustration for younger households in high-cost markets. It's also worth noting here that blue voters tend to live in larger urban cities. Those cities tend to have astronomical home prices and rental rates. The analysis also highlights the importance of land use rules and development costs across the United States. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to Builder Funnel Radio. We are releasing new episodes every week. You've got Spencer's main show, Builder Funnel Radio, and then you've got Profit First for Contractors with Sean Van Dyke as well as the growth series, which is a show that highlights all things personal growth, leadership, and business development. Subscribe to Builder Funnel Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. See you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Construction Cut on Builder Funnel Radio. If you got value out of today's episode, please do one of two things for me. Share it with a friend by clicking the share button in your podcast player and then texting it or emailing it to them. Or leave us a review. This is a free podcast, so spreading the word really helps us keep Builder Funnel Radio going. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.